Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Today we're going to uh, get into more of the story of Joseph and how to prepare yourself to go to the next level. Everybody satisfied where you're at? Anybody interested in going to a new level in God? Well, Joseph has some great lessons to learn, and we're going to get into some of that today. Uh, So we welcome you to Torah study. And those of you that are Zooming in, God bless you. We have a permanent Zoom link. We have three so far. I think last week we had up to nine. And so there's a permanent Zoom link on the Torah study page on the New Beginnings website. You can share that. You just click that link and join. And uh, you can do that live. Your uh, family and friends around America and really around the world can do that. Plus they put these uh, on the uh, what's called the church podcast uh, site on, uh, on the church website as well. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, and uh, today's study uh, begins with Joseph trapped in Egyptian prison for 10 years. How about that? That sounds like, I thought I was serving God and I've been in a prison for ten years. Uh, and, And he's there because of false charges of attempted rape. Uh, But as we're going to see, God was still with Joseph. And he's still with you. Even if you're going through a major thing, God is still with you. And uh, we need to learn how to cast our cares on the Lord and remember that He cares for us and He's behind the scenes working some things out. Well, how come He doesn't work them out by Friday? Well, you take me, for example. Uh, I, I had 17 years of making my life a mess. And so sometimes it takes a while to untangle all the problems you made for yourself. But God will resolve. If you've been a victim of injustice, God's going to fix that. And as we'll learn, you need to remain faithful and you need to remain in faith for that to happen. And so what Joseph is going through, uh, he ends up defining as all being part of the master's plan. How many of you have a master? His name is Yeshua. And you're in his master's degree program. And sometimes it takes the hard, hard work of thinking and praying and fasting to work some things out. And Joseph needed to work some things out. Yeah, he was destined uh, uh, to lead his family into becoming the nation of Israel. They were one day going to possess the land and experience the promises of Abraham that God made to Abraham. But it was going to take some time. 
And one thing you have to realize about Joseph is that the massive obstacles that he faced reflected the massive destiny he had in his life. Like when you're going through a big thing, it's probably because the devil knows God has something big in store, so he's throwing everything and the kitchen sink at you to shipwreck you, get you discouraged and disappointed and defeated, and that becomes your mindset. But as the uh, old saying goes, a man who is focused on his problems has lost sight of his goals. But thank God, we got a great future. Amen? And even if the devil's throwing everything at you, don't give up on your faith. Don't cast away your confidence. And Joseph understood this. And... No one's immune from hindering forces, right? No one's immune from the attacks of powers and principalities. Uh, But as they say, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. May God help us and teach us and show us the correct ways to respond when we face a crisis. And praise God, Joseph was able to see a bigger picture, right? Sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. You're just so focused on that thing right in front of you that's making your life miserable (laughs) that you can't see the bigger picture that God is in control. And somewhere along the line, I was probably misapplying or neglecting a divine principle that once I learn to apply it, that thing will go. So God, give me wisdom. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I can see correctly what's going on and correctly apply the word of truth. Do you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Well, we can handle the truth. That's why we're here. And look, Joseph had to come a long ways from his youth. Those early days, he got the big head. Anybody remember what the big head is? Your head's so big you can't even fit through the door. You got an ego problem, a pride problem, and pride always comes before a fall. And why did he have that pride? Because he was the favorite son of all the brothers. And he didn't mind reminding people of it. And then uh, the dreams that God was giving him also caused him to get caught up in pride. He became self-centered instead of God-centered. And the dreams God gave him became my dream. Not the dream God gave me, but my dream. And he got his priorities out of whack. If only he could have heard himself. You know, you never want to be the last to know. Especially when things are screwed up. (laughs) You don't want to be the last to know. Usually you're the last to know because you're the one screwing it up. (laughs) But you don't want to admit it. 
You want to play the finger-pointing game, the blame game. No one here, of course, would do that. It's only those other people. (laughs) So he had some changes to make. And in Joseph's case, it, it took him being sold into slavery being thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, uh, being falsely accused of uh, criminal charges, then being thrown into a prison. I mean, this guy is forgotten in a foreign land. They locked him up and could have thrown away the key. Uh, But somewhere along the way, he started hearing spiritually, with spiritual ears. Man, what a shame if you've been going to church all your life and really don't have spiritual ears. It just became a social thing or uh, like, I, I put my 60, 90 minutes in. God, what more do you expect? So sometimes it's uh, in those times where you're facing the toughest challenges where suddenly you're willing to look at yourself and you're willing to look at the man in the mirror. And as all of this is going on, uh, yeah, he's attacked with overwhelming problems, but he was never overwhelmed by them. Because he began to shift his attitude. He began to renew his mind. He began to realize, man, I'm applying worldly principles to my life and lifestyle instead of biblically centered principles. And so, rather than uh, cultivate a spirit of distrust and disappointment and discouragement, would have been easy to do. Woe is me. You can either have a pity party or you can trust in the Lord to get you out of what's causing you to feel pity. Can't have both. You want God to move in your life or you want people to feel sorry for you? I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me. Just because I'm a pastor, I don't have an opt-out card, like a get-out-of-jail-free card that I can cash in because the devil reared his ugly head. We all have the same calling. Fight the fight of faith. Having done all to stand, stand. Don't focus on the problem, focus on the promise. And Joseph began to learn this. And he changed his attitude. Praise God. And he committed to using his gifts and talents not to make him feel good. Not so everybody could, look at me! But so he could be a blessing. And he became a blessing in Potiphar's house. He became a blessing in the prison. And God honored him because he kept his attitude in check. He kept focused on the right things. He kept faithfully executing divine principles. And God used that as the reason to favor him. And suddenly, he's promoted. When am I going to get promoted, God? Well... 
You're telling on yourself. In the sense of faithfulness precedes promotion. Right? And these are the kind of signs of spiritual maturity God is looking for. Does God have expectations? Does God just want you to go through life randomly with no expectations? God doesn't require anything of me. I'm under grace. God doesn't require anything of me. Wrong, pilgrim. (laughs) God has great expectations. And it takes a lifetime, a journey, to climb all those rungs on the ladder of spiritual success. But God will help you if if you have faithfulness and you have faith. And so this is Joseph. This is what led to the door of promotion being opened for him. He's given the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He had no standing, right? He didn't go to Harvard. I don't think anybody wants to go to Harvard anymore. (laughs) You got a little anti-Semitic problem going on there. How about a big one? He's a Hebrew slave. right? He's a convicted criminal. He didn't have much going for him, right? In a foreign country. But yet, somebody said something to Pharaoh, I know a guy. He's just a convicted criminal Hebrew slave, but I did see him do something that can help what you're going through, Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh brings him into the palace and he's so impressed with Joseph's abilities that he appoints him to be the prime minister. Amen. He's second in power only to Pharaoh himself. All of that just happens like in a moment. Jewish wisdom said it happened on Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah, as we know, is a time of judgment. But not every judgment has to be bad. You can be rewarded by the judge a good judgment. No, that's my son. That's my daughter. They've been faithful. They've been preparing themselves. They've been working behind the scenes, taking care of their father's business. And I'm going to use those very things to promote my daughter, to promote my son into a position they might not even be qualified for. Makes you wonder how on earth could he ever be appointed to be the second most powerful uh, person in the Egyptian empire. Well, he learned some lessons. When you read in the Torah what uh, conversations took place between Joseph and Pharaoh, Joseph refused to take any credit for the wisdom he was imparting. No, this isn't me. This is the Spirit of the Lord working through me to tell you something, Pharaoh. 
He emphasizes that the dreams that Pharaoh had was God's way of communicating to him as a leader. And he was going to show you some things that were about to happen. And Pharaoh suddenly has, even though he's an unrighteous man, he suddenly recognizes what righteousness is all about, and it's residing in Joseph. This is a God-fearing individual. And here's the, uh, something that we see this even today. You know, generally in the world, people aren't righteous. Generally in the world, everyone's got an agenda. Everyone's plotting their way forward. And they're willing to use you as a stepping stone. So this is what's going on in Pharaoh's court. It might be going on where you work. And yet, your boss can see something in you that differentiates you from the pack. And it's a spirit of righteousness, a spirit of godliness. And these are huge signs of spiritual maturity. My gosh, spiritual maturity. Boy, the church needs some growing up. By and large, we're in the midst of a great falling away, even in the church. Churches are becoming worldly and secular leaders and congregation members alike. And it's just a what's in it for me. And worse, we need some spiritual maturity. And obviously I'm speaking to the choir here. Because you're here seeking the things of God. And God is going to show you some things. So what are we saying here? What we're, uh, what we're saying is that there's a well-established biblical principle that in God's kingdom, preparation, which can be defined as faithfulness, always precedes opportunity. When am I going to succeed when you're ready? When am I going to experience more and more of the blessing of God in my when you're ready? Preparation always precedes opportunity and promotion. Amen? And eventually, uh, when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he shows that he's grown. They don't know it at first, but uh, he, he shows that he has matured spiritually. And... It comes up, and a lot of it comes up next week, but it's, an, it's another biblical principle that we all need to develop. Look, I'm, I'm going to be 70 next year, 70 years old. But you still have things to learn, young Skywalker Sigmund. <laughs> You still need Yoda to teach us some things. Or in our case, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. And so Joseph was a willing learner. And one of the principles that 
he is working on and developing in his life is that God will cause all things to work together for your good if you keep yourself in the love of God. If you keep yourself connected to his divine purposes for your life. And it's amazing how Joseph explains this. In uh, Genesis 45, verse 5. You can turn over there if you brought your Bible. Genesis 45, 5. He says to his brothers, don't be upset. Don't blame yourselves because you sold me here. It was really God who sent me ahead of you to save people's lives. What a perspective. Man, he could have said when them brothers showed up, now is my chance to get even. I am going to show these suckers. of <laughs> Can you say suckers in church? I'm going to show these jamokies a thing or two. But he says, guys, don't give it a second thought. I'm not keeping a record of all those wrongs. Verse 6, he said, this is only the second year of the famine. And there's going to be five more years in which there's going to be no plowing or reaping. So God sent me ahead of you to rescue you in an amazing way and to make sure that you and your descendants survive. What a vision! What a perspective! So it was not really you who sent me here, verse 8, but God. He has made me the king's highest official. I'm in charge of the whole country now. I'm the ruler of all of Egypt. So he is kind of getting a little jab. Remember them dreams? When all the stalks were bowing down? You're in that moment. But by and large, it's a tremendous insight. Is that He's saying, it's God that's ordering my steps. No devil has authority over me. No man has authority over me. And whatever changes I need to make in my life, I've been making them. I'm on a pathway of spiritual maturity. I'm not a kid anymore. I put away childish things, childish reactions. It's a spirit of faith that sees beyond the natural circumstances into the supernatural realm and defines things not in a natural way, but in a spiritual, biblical way. All things will work together for good if I keep on loving God and stay connected to His divine purposes. Don't get into doubt. Don't get into worry. Don't get into strife. Don't get into confusion. Don't be the tension bringer. Be the peacemaker. God, give us that kind of vision. You probably heard it say our attitude determines our... Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. Don't let the thought come in, it's not possible. 
Don't let the thought come in, you don't know what I've been through. Because at the end of the day, with God, all things are possible. That's what the angel said to Mary in the Christmas story. Mary, you don't got to figure all this stuff out. Just know this, with God, all things are possible. Hebrews 12.2 gives us another perspective on how all things can become possible. Hebrews 12.2 Keep your eyes on Jesus. (laughs) Can I get an amen from the congregation? (laughs) Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. You mean i got to educate myself? (laughs) Like we say, if you think education is hard, try ignorance. (laughs) Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there. Where? In a place of honor. Right alongside with God the Father. And when you find yourself, what's that say? Flagging. In your story. Come back. Where'd it go? Uh oh. He touched the wrong thing there. I'll find it. Here it is. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That'll shoot adrenaline into your soul. Hebrews 12.2 Message Bible. How many need a little shot of adrenaline? I got something better than Red Bull. (laughs) I got something better than Nespresso. Amen? It's called Study How Jesus Did It. Yep, Amen. Think about it. Had Joseph reacted negatively to everything that was done against him and lived his life with a chip on his shoulder, he would have missed his destiny. He would have negated the opportunities that God was presenting him. It would have hurt his chances of success. It would have killed off any uh, spirit of faith. Any positive expectation. But he lived with Jesus as the author and finisher of his faith. Amen. He understood that steps of righteous men and women are ordered by the Lord. Look at Proverbs 8 with me. 34 and 35. Proverbs 8. This kind of Define some of Joseph's life and is a great scripture and example for us. Blessed is the man who listens to me. 
says the Lord. Watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoever finds me, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Come on. Yep. In other words, when we have a daily commitment to trust in the Lord, that's going to produce some amazing results, isn't it? This is what Joseph did. He studied the Word of God and he changed his attitude. He renewed his mind. He cultivated the right qualities in his spirit and in his soul. And it prepared him to rise out of obscurity. And it prevented him from slipping into the victim mentality. Anybody see the victim mentality out and about these days? You see a lot of the victim mentality uh, in America these days and around the world. It's coming from college campuses. It's coming from corporate America. It's coming from news and, and other media outlets. What, what, what are they all saying? That your financial increase, your promotion, your advancement is an entitlement. There's a new generation of young people being trained to think that their share of the American dream is something the government owes me. And I'll sue anybody I gotta sue to get my share. Doesn't sound too biblical. Doesn't sound too Christian, does it? Living with this idea that it's your right that it, that you're entitled to because I'm a citizen or because I've been systematically wronged. You owe me, somebody owes me a better life and now we're into this thing where envy and jealousy are the spirits that are at work in people's lives. That's a dangerous philosophy. Especially for a Christian. If you're looking at everybody else with a jaundiced eye. The only place success comes before work is in the dictionary. Yeah. Two thirds of God's name is gold. Let's get going, folks. Let's get working on some things. It ain't an I'm okay, you're okay environment. Don't judge me and I won't judge you. And we'll all live in mediocre. And as we know, mediocre is the worst kind of ochre. Joseph's rise to the top was built on preparation. It was built on cultivating a character based on biblical principles, not what I learned when I was 10 years old. I've got a three-year-old grandson, and he already knows things. How do you learn to act like that? (laughs) 
Ain't nobody around here taught you how to act that way. There's just certain things in the human nature that need to be reformed, that need to be renewed. It's not we need to excuse them, we need to change them. And Joseph began to understand this and worked on it. And when his opportunity came, it did come unexpectedly. It came suddenly. But all of that preparation behind the scenes, look, I don't know what you do Monday through Friday, but I'm just looking around and I dare say you're studying the Word. You're involved in prayer. You're involved in worship. You're involved with seeking the Lord. You're involved with questioning how I'm handling things. Are they in line with God's Word? And you don't mind asking. That's called preparation. And preparation always precedes promotion. When God sees you and I preparing, all of a sudden, uh, opportunity is going to be presenting itself. God, give us the Spirit to prepare ourselves and then the vision to recognize the right opportunities. Because when you step into a God-given opportunity, you are going to climb that ladder. It, you're not supposed to be able to take the elevator to the top. You're supposed to climb the ladder of success, not take the elevator to the... But when you get God involved because you've been behind the scenes taking care of Father's business, all of a sudden you'll step into that elevator and God will shoot you to the top. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen to me. I can remember when... uh, I was a a brand new believer back, I don't know, it might have been uh, in 1985. Uh, And we were at a church, uh, I was at a church men's camp. And there was maybe a couple hundred guys there, I really don't remember anymore. But all of a sudden, the associate pastor, who was a big part of the leadership team and leading the, uh, the men's camp, he suddenly turns to me. Now, I'm just a new Christian, probably not even uh, born again a year. And all of a sudden, he begins to give me a prophetic word. And he, he said, by the Spirit of God, one day, Scott Sigmund, you are going to preach the gospel to thousands. But you'll never be able to do that unless you prepare yourself, prepare yourself. And he just kept saying, prepare yourself, prepare yourself. I remember it to this day. And that's what I did. I ended up enrolling in Bible college. Uh, I spent uh, uh, two years in their two-year ministry training program. There was about 60, 70 students. I, I can't remember exact number. But uh, I would just got on fire for God. And I actually became the valedictorian. I aced everything. But the only reason I aced everything, I think I only had one B in two years. All A's and one B in two years. Because when class was over, it wasn't over for me. 
I poured myself into everything and anything that, uh, the, uh, that was in our curriculum, and I just studied and prayed, and, and I still had to work. I wasn't very successful at that time. I was detailing cars, refereeing for the city of Seattle, and uh, uh, it, it was, I mean, tuna fish, three cans for $99, man, I, that was a welcome sight. I mean, I can get a bag of potatoes, mix it with tuna fish, and I got myself a week worth of meals. But I kept preparing myself. And God did the rest. He saw that faithfulness, and he promoted me. I'm a football guy. My dad was my high school football coach. He was a high school coach ever since I was just a knee-high. When I was a little four-, five-year-old, I used to run out on the field and grab the tee after the guy kicked off. I remember uh, a lot of good things. And through that, uh, I came to respect one of the great football coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. Some of you probably know Vince Lombardi. He said, a man can be as great as he wants to be. If you believe in yourself, we would say, if you believe in the Lord and have the courage. Here's some qualities. The determination the dedication, the competitive drive, and if you are willing to sacrifice the little things in life and pay the price for the things that are worthwhile, it can be done. Now that may not speak to you, but it speaks to me. And it's that kind of mindset that I've developed through the years to keep myself inspired and motivated. I'm going to keep working this thing. I know the gospel is real. I know that every promise that God has given is yes and amen. I might not be manifesting every promise in my family, in my life right now, but bless the Lord, I'm going for it. I ain't finished. Well, you're, you're 70, Scott. Are you, you're almost 70. Are you going to retire? No, because I'm in my prime. Are you retired too? No, I'm in my prime. So as we head to the finish line today, uh, I want to just give you eight spiritual principles. They're really eight habits. It's like they're things you know, but it's just things that we need to be reminded of from time to time. Uh, And I, I... put together eight of them because eight is the number of new beginnings. And we're about ready to uh, celebrate Christmas, celebrate the new year. As for me and my house, we're ready for a new beginning. How about you? Amen. Amen. So eight spiritual principles that will prepare you for the next level. Number one, you prepare yourself by feeding on God's Word. We're on the Costco diet at our house. (laughs) But we're also on the Word of God diet. Any morning, any given morning, when you wake up in my house, you're going to see Saba sitting at his desk studying the Word of God. 
I didn't want to get up today, but at 5.30, I got up, had a little coffee, had some prayer time, and started reviewing my notes. Spirit of God, speak to me. Help me to inspire myself and to be an inspiration to everybody that comes. So you prepare yourself by feeding on God's Word. Now, look, that doesn't mean you can't feed yourself on cowboy football at 3.30 when they play Buffalo and Buffalo goes down. You can do that. Where's Lydia? She's from Buffalo. She doesn't like me saying that. She thinks Buffalo has the best uh, Coney Islands, too, and they don't. They're good Coney Islands, but nothing's like a Flint Coney Island. Oh, baby. Yeah, I'm a Flintstone. Feed yourself on God's Word. Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, pizza alone, Coney Islands alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Number two, you prepare yourself by building a spirit of faith. A spirit of faith. Not a spirit of doubt, a spirit of faith. I believe you, Lord. I trust in you with my whole heart. Jesus said in Matthew 21, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to the mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Amen. Number three, you prepare yourself by building a spiritual vision. Yes, you need a financial vision. Yes, you need a vision for your health. Yes, you need a vision for your career and ministry. But you just need a plain old spiritual vision, not just a worldly vision. And Proverbs 29.18 from the complete Jewish Bible says, Without a prophetic vision... People throw off restraint. And so, what's your prophetic vision? And if you don't really have a prophetic vision for your life, then that's your vision, to get a prophetic vision. Well, what's your vision? My vision is to get a prophetic vision. What's your goal? My goal is to get a prophetic vision. And in these next few weeks, as we head towards the new year, I fully expect God to speak to your heart. If you will keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, you're going to hear from the Lord. Number four, you prepare yourself by constantly speaking God's Word. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18 says. Sometimes we don't even realize the words that we speak. And you're speaking death. You're speaking roundup over your harvest. Don't do that. Speak God's Word. If you don't know much on God's Word, if all you got is John 3.16, that's a start. 
But I suggest you uh, either get online or get one of, go to half price books or go to our, and get God's word for every circumstance, God's promises for every situation, and speak the promises of God over your life. It's like writing on in the old days when the teacher would have you write on the chalkboard, you're going to stay after school and write 500 times. You need to do that as a Christian until you get it. 500 times I'm going to recite this until I get it. Number five, you prepare yourself by controlling your thought life. Controlling your thought life. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Where does the good success come from? Where does the prosperity come from? Speaking and meditating, thinking about the principles of God. Day and night, not just Sunday morning. Amen. That's Joshua 1.8. Number six, you prepare yourself by getting rid of excess baggage. Why do you keep carrying that weight of sin around? Why do you keep carrying the past around? Why are you constantly offended? And the next thing that happens, it just stirs up, I'm offended. I resent that. And you live a resentful life, an offended life, a bitter life. You'll never become better if you stay bitter. Well, you don't know what they did. Yeah, I probably do know what they did. They messed around. The devil messes around and screws things up all the time. And he uses people to do it. You're not battling with flesh and blood. You're battling with powers and principalities that are trying to ruin your life by keeping you in the negative so that you don't have a positive vision, a prophetic vision. So get rid of that stuff. Hebrews 12.1 We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So strip off every weight that slows you down. Especially the sin that so easily trips you up. God, I don't want this in my life anymore. Forgive me of every sin. Break every curse in my life over my family. And bring restoration and renewal into our lives so we can move on and fulfill our destiny. Some of y'all need to recite that in praise and worship. Just under your breath, your neighbor don't need to know. Father, I thank you today is a breakthrough day for me. I thank you today, Lord God Almighty, that you are going to strip away every bad attitude, every negative thought out of my life, and you're going to renew me, and I'm going to move forward in Christ with a prophetic vision. Amen. Amen. Number seven, you prepare yourself by living a lifestyle of praise and worship. All right. Praise and worship. Anybody a praise and worshiper in here? Yep. 
Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. You don't praise Him for what's going on. You praise Him in what's going on. Oh, Father, thank you for uh, uh, that they took all the money out of my bank account, repossessed my car, and sent my family to the emergency room. No, you praise in that. Father, I don't care what's going on right now. I praise you and trust you that you order my steps and you will cause all things to work together for good. Satan, I bind you. Father, I loosen the angels of the Lord to be encamped around. And then lather, rinse, and repeat. And number eight, new beginning. You prepare yourself by praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 20. And these are eight things that Christians do. They become habits, right? They become a lifestyle. Amen? Uh, And so we need to embrace these things. And when they're incorporated regularly, it's like Reinhard Bonnke said. The gospel is like soap. It only works when it's applied. Amen. Amen. So we're going to apply these things today and moving forward. And 2024 is going to be our best year ever so far. Amen. Do you receive that today? If you do, give the Lord a praise. God bless you.